This is the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. What do you do when you make decisions? Do you go it alone and ask God to bless you afterwards, or do you ask Him to be with you every step of the way? Moses had walked with the Lord long enough to realize he needed God's presence with him to be successful. Flourishing would only happen if God was with him. I'm not sure that all of us have that same mindset, but the mindset that Moses had is one that we should embrace. Today we look at Exodus 33 and see how Moses views his relationship with God. How he looks at that relationship and how that relationship impacts the way others see him as well. I don't know if you've ever seen um, this this picture before. It's come in memes. It's come in all kinds of different forms. Maybe I spend too much time on the internet, or maybe it's that I have two almost teenage boys um, who show me memes regularly. But um, this maybe you've seen this picture before of a horse. Um, the back end looks like you know this master artist started it and kind of gave you a template of how you're going to finish it. And the right side kind of looks like a picture I got from my kids when they were in, in preschool. Um, and, I, you know, there's been all kinds of things said about this. My, one of my sons and I were talking about it this morning even. just saying, He was telling me about some of the things that he had seen. Um, and, and I often, when I look at this picture, I think whether I want to admit it loud and proud or not, that like th- the left side, that very artistically created horse, um, is my best intentions. Um, and the right side is more like the reality of my life. Um, like I have the greatest of intentions to have this masterful way of going through life that I'm going to be a, a great husband and father and pastor. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to sleep well. I'm going to do all these things. And then reality kind of moves in and it looks more like that right side of the picture. Maybe I'm alone in that. Maybe I am the only person in this room who feels like um, like the epitome of the backside of a horse. I don't know, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but but I'm comforted in going to the Bible often to realize that um, even if I'm the only one in this room, like when I go to hear and read the story of God's people, I realize that uh, I'm not alone, uh, that sometimes people's best intentions didn't quite carry them where they thought they would go. And we have been looking through the book of Exodus over the last few months. Today is the last day which some people will rejoice in the fact that, hey, we're finally done. Um, I hope that we're not all done with Exodus, though. Uh, for me, Sunday should, should be a, a kind of springboard into where we're going. And hopefully um, you, know, you will spend some time on your own exploring through Exodus. We kind of did a, a flyby with it, not really digging deep. But we've seen God's people. We've seen their stiff-necked stubbornness. We've seen all kinds of different things. We've seen their impatience. And as we come to the end of our journey in Exodus, we're not actually going to the end of the chapter. The, the book, we're going to a place where I think is a really good stopping point for us. T- 
to, to end and land on where Moses is and, and the word that he shares um, that I think is really important for us. I, and I think it's important for me to hear. Exodus continues on for another seven chapters after the chapter that we're looking at today. But um, like I said, I think it's a good stopping point for us. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 33. If you have a device, um, Exodus 33, early on in the Old Testament. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. The uh, screen will have that on as well. And so if you want to follow along with that version in an app. Starting in, in verse 12, we read, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and you've found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock, cover you with my hand until I've passed by. I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. If we think back to the beginning of Moses' story, that Moses saw himself as someone who was not qualified to walk with God, and then we fast forward to this moment where Moses is on the mountain with God. He's communing with the one who created him, who created all of us. Moses has come a long way. We've seen Moses grow. We've seen him transform. What a diff- what's the difference? What happened to him? I think experience for one. You know, the experiences that Moses had, they're either going to make you or break you. Um, and it seems like uh, they've shaped and formed Moses to be who he is. But I also think it's that Moses spent time with God. In verse 13, Moses says to the Lord, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Now, those are powerful words from Moses, and I think they speak to the humility that he has learned over time. That he, he knows that part of his success is knowing God. Not knowing about God, not doing things for God, but knowing who God is. The one who's been leading him all along the way. Do we understand that knowing the Lord will lead to our flourishing? And do we see that favor with God is not caused by doing things, but it's caused by knowing him more? You know, any of us who are married know that 
Finding favor with our spouse isn't done just by doing things. If all I do is, hey, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do this for you, but I don't get to know who my spouse is, then will that really lead to flourishing? Well, then you jack that up a notch and you think about our relationship with God. That if we're not taking time to actually know Him more, and we're just doing and doing and doing, then does it really matter? And I've heard it said before that we're human beings, we're not human doings, right? And yet we all struggle and strive in the midst of being really overwhelmed, which I think many of us have felt at least once over the last year and a half to two years. It can be really easy, especially for those type A achievers among us, to like just do stuff. Like, let me do more, let me do more. If I do more, maybe I'll get out of this. Those of us who are problem solvers, we think that maybe efficiency is the way to go. How do I get more accomplished? That's what technology is supposed to do for us. And where has that gotten us? Many of us wish for more hours in a day. But if we had them, what would we fill them with? A few weeks ago, I read a book by a guy named John Mark Comer called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, And I had been so hurried lately that I hadn't had a chance to read the book. So I finally slowed down enough to stop. And one of the things that he said in that book, he said, the solution to an over-busy life is not more time. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. And if you look, if you spent any time with friends and family over the last year or so, I've seen people making decisions in the midst of everything that's before them that align with this. Aligning with the fact that I'm not going to do more, I'm not going to ask for more time, but I'm going to say, how do I simplify my life a little bit more? Comer goes on to say that despite what we maybe hearing or seeing in the Western church about what Christianity is. It's not just a set of ideas or do's and don'ts. Christianity is a lifestyle in which we orient ourselves around Jesus. That we put him at the center and then we orient our life around him. But I think, at least in my own life, I find too often that I say, here's me, all right, Jesus, align yourself here. Orient yourself to me, Jesus. Rather than saying, Jesus, where are you? And how do I orient myself around you? You know, Moses understood that to know God more was the key to the relationship. Not doing more for him. Now, please hear what I'm saying and please hear what I'm not saying as well. That doesn't mean that all we do is sit around, read our Bible, and, and that's it. Because there has to be some outworking of that. If I sat there and just studied my wife all the time and I didn't do anything, that wouldn't really result in a good relationship. She'd say, what, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm learning who you are. <laughs> well, what else are you doing? <laughs> well, the same thing with God. If all we're doing is learning him and not actually doing, there's got to be an outworking of mission, of, of serving in our lives. 
It means that we need to make sure we're connected to Jesus first and foremost. You know, here at the branch, one of the things that I say often is that partnership is key. And, and I'm very intentional with using the word partner. You know, I don't want us to have members of a church. Um, because uh, membership in kind of insinuates that you just come and you, you pay something and you get some kind of service. But have you ever seen how partners are made in like businesses and in companies and law firms and stuff? Like the people who are partners are the ones who are invested in it. They're the ones who have spent time. You're not going to go and find a guy who's like, clocking in right at like 8 o'clock and clocking out right at 4.30 or 5 who makes partner. You're going to find the people who say, hey, I want to be part of this. I want to invest in this. Partnership means ownership. And if you see, if you want to partner in something, then hey, that's why we're here is to partner because there's a, a mutuality that happens in partnership versus membership that makes it seem like one is more important than the other. But all of us partnering together can accomplish great things. That's why Jesus created the church because he knew that one of us alone couldn't do it. But that together, when we partner, when we come together, we can accomplish a heck of a lot more. You know, Moses knew the importance of being connected with God, but he also knew that it wasn't a simple one-and-done meeting with God that would sustain him. It's not that he was just going to, hey, I'm going to go to the mountain, and then I'm done, God. I'll see you next week. I'll get my fill again, and then I'll go. Moses understood that the very presence of God needed to be with him. You know, before Jesus left this earth to sit at the right hand of the Father, he told his disciples that, that we would all be blessed as followers of him with his spiritual presence with us, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. His physical presence would no longer be there, and that was depressing to the disciples. But he said, I've got something better for you. I've got something that will go with you and sustain you and be in you and nourish you. My spiritual presence will be with you. And that's what Moses says. I want your presence with me. In fact, Moses goes so far as to say, if your presence is not with me, then I ain't leaving. He's saying, I will not go from this place unless I know that your presence is with me. And I wonder, when's the last time that you took a step whether figuratively or literally, without saying to God, God, I'm not taking this step until I know that you're with me. You know, more often than not, for the impatient people like, like me, I find myself taking a step and then looking back and saying, hey, God, I'm over here. <laughs> hey, can you bless this right here? Instead of saying, God, Go ahead of me. Go before me. Go with me here. We can get impatient, and, and we've seen that with the people of God. When we get impatient, we set other things up as God. But when we say, God, I'm waiting for you. I'm being patient for you. I want your presence to go with me. 
Can we come to a place where we say, I will not move unless I know that you're leading the way, God. Hey, that's risky. Hey, that, that's sacrificial. And we may be frustrated at times if we say, God, I'm not going to step until I know that you're leading the charge here. We may be disappointed. I'm not going to stand here and lie to you and say, no, every time that, that we say, God, take charge, it's always like sunshine and rainbows. No. There's sometimes that, that he says, wait, and we're just jonesing to move forward. And then there are other times that he says, go, and we're like, whoa, no. We see that with Moses. But would you rather be stepping with the presence of God or be completely on your own? Moses, God tells Moses that, hey, I'm going to go with you. I'll do the very thing you've asked, he says in verse 17, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And once God tells Moses this, Moses, he gets bolder. And he says, God, I want to see you, so show me your glory. John Piper, the pastor and author, he defines the glory of God as the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. And others would describe the glory of God as the manifest presence of God. If we look at the story of Moses, we see that Moses has known the glory of God. And Moses has seen it in the miracles of God and in God going before them and parting the sea for them to walk through, in providing for them in manna and quail and providing for them in water, in providing and meeting Moses on the mountain and giving him the Ten Commandments. When we see the glory of God, we want more of it. Moses was asking for more of it. Hey, God, show me your glory. It's not like he hadn't seen it before, but he wanted more of it. You know, have you ever gone to a really, really nice restaurant and you ate something that you were like, oh my goodness, this is like heaven on a fork, right? Where you're like, oh my goodness, I just want to keep having more and more of this. Of course, if we do that, we get sick and we get full, right? Here's the thing about the glory of God. Like, we'll never get full of it. We can have more and more of it. And we're not going to overeat. We're not going to overglory. But when we taste it, and we experience it. We want more of it. Here's the other thing. And this might step on my toes and other people's toes too. But like, if we're not looking for more of it, then we've probably not tasted it to begin with. If we're not saying like Moses, God, show me your glory. Then chances are we've probably not tasted it to begin with. Because if we've tasted it, if we've seen it, then we're going to want more of it. It doesn't matter what your palate is. It doesn't matter if you don't like spicy things or don't like, you know, other things. God's glory is something that when we experience it, when we see it like Moses did, we're going to want to keep coming back. 
and saying, God, I want to see more of this. I want to see you more and more. And the thing is, God couldn't show Moses his full glory. He couldn't show him his face. He could just show him his back. Because if Moses had seen the face of God, Moses would have died. And it reminds me of Paul's words to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, he said, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What we see, even what Moses saw in the glory of God, it was only a glimpse. It was only a, a portion of who God really was. But it made him want more. And Paul understood that. Paul said, hey, like we're only seeing a glimpse. We're only seeing a reflection of who God is. But one day, One day, we will see in full, we will see face to face the full glory of God. Are we bold enough to ask God for that? Moses did, and look what it got him. If we continue on to the next chapter of Exodus, in Exodus 34, Moses comes down from the mountain and everyone freaks out because he's like glowing. And Moses didn't even really fully understand that in the beginning. It says he was not aware that his face was radiant. Why? Because he had spoken with the Lord. When we spend time in the presence of the Lord, when we spend time experiencing the glory of God, there will be a noticeable difference about us. When we've been on the mountain, when we have been in relationship, intimately connected with the God of the universe, when we come down off that mountain, people will see a radiance in us. And if they don't, then we did something wrong. Moses understood this. And in verse 16, he says, if the other people around us don't see something in us, how are they going to know who we're connected to? How will they distinguish us from all the other people on the face of the earth unless your presence is with us, unless we're glowing, unless we're radiant, unless they can see the glory of God in us? You know, on a Sunday afternoon, if you were to go hang out with people in restaurants and stuff, I wonder if you can tell the ones who have been with God and who haven't. We, Carrie and I had a friend when we lived in Asheville who was a waitress, and she talked about how all her other waiter and waitress friends hated going to, like, working on Sunday afternoons. You know why? Because of Christians. Because they were the worst in their behavior. They were the worst in their tipping. They were the worst in all those other things. You know, Christians are known for so many bad things, and I wonder, what would it look like for us to be known for the glory of God? What, what would it be like for us to, to radiate that to the people around us? Not judgment, not hatred, not dissent, but the glory of God and the love of Jesus Christ radiating out of us. That when we come face to face 
with our God, when we spend time in relationship with him in his presence, we are glowing afterwards. We want more of it, but we're also willing to shine that out around us. What would it look like if we spent time with Jesus and people saw a marked difference in us afterwards? What would it look like if people just started asking questions of us to find out why we were the way we were and not in a negative way? Why are you so negative? No. Like, why are you glowing? Like, there's something about you. There's something radiating off of you. Hey, Look, we all have Mondays like Garfield, right? Like we, we all have those days where we just, things don't go right. Now I'm not saying we never have bad moments, but I'm saying for the most part, are we radiating the glory of God to the people around us? And are we always wanting more? Moses wanted the world around him to know that God cares for his people and that he goes with his people. That's what we want. We want people to know that, hey, like my life isn't perfect, but God is with me and he goes before me and he radiates through me. So what do we do with all this? The first question I think we can ask ourselves is, where's God in our decisions? When we make decisions, do we say, okay, let me lay out all the plans, and then, hey, God, here's what I got in store. Can you do your blessing on this, and we're good? Or do we ask God to lead or bless what we've already decided? Do we say, God, I'm not going to take a step until I know that you're with me? And then ask yourself the question, how do people see the glory of God through you? Sunday afternoons, but Monday through Saturday as well. Do people see that you've been with Jesus? Hey, I, my, my son and I drove to Cleveland this past week, and we had a kind of scary experience on the way out there um, where a, a truck didn't see us, and we were in the right lane, and it tried to, it basically cut us off, and led us into the um, breakdown lane. Well, needless to say, I was not very Christ-like in my response. Um, <clears throat> after I picked my heart up off the ground, I, I, I had to apologize to my son for my outburst. And, um, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, like sometimes that happens. Like I would be lying if I were to stand here and tell you otherwise. But like sometimes I do not radiate Jesus. But for the most part, are we pursuing that? Are we seeking that? Like let's not get into this game of like saying like, oh, I'm not doing it all the time and so therefore I'm a failure. No. Like that's what grace is for. You know, I, I love what Drew said before, you know, that God has, is seeking in this world a world of justice and grace. And we need his grace. That's why we need a savior like Jesus. Because there are times when people cut us off and almost kill us on the highway and our response is less than Christ-like. But for the most part, are we pursuing 
this kind of a relationship with God that people see him in us. And even when we blow it, when we mess up, are we willing to say, you know what, I was wrong. Like, and I'm grateful for the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of it. Because even when we mess up, I think there's room for the glory of God to shine. When we can humbly say, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm working on it. (laughs) Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Moses. God, I can relate to Moses because he started out feeling so unqualified and tried to disqualify himself, and yet, God, you were the one who qualified him. So, Father, remind us that we don't qualify ourselves, but, God, you qualify us for what you call us to. Remind us, God, that it is you working in us and that, God, you are faithful to the end and will complete the work in us that you have begun. Thank you for seeing the transformed life of Moses. God, continue to transform us that we might radiate your glory and love to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How do people see the glory of God in you? Can people tell when you've been in the presence of God? God calls us into a relationship with Him, and that relationship should transform us from the inside out. It should be both inside of us and outside of us. How's your relationship with God evident to the people around you? Can they see God's glory in you? I hope this has been some good food for thought. I hope you have a great week. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening.